My name is Brandon, and uh, we are in the middle of a series in the book of Acts. And so if you have a Bible, feel free to open up there. Acts chapter two is where we're gonna be. It's on page 758, if you're using one of our Bibles, 758. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to get up and grab one from one of the communion tables around the room. That's why we have them here. No, so often it's just easy to, kind of, uh, to leave that at home. Or if you don't have one, feel free to take that. We'd love to, to give that to you. Um, Next Sunday, as a church family, we're gonna be having our marathon family retreat, which means that we will not be here next Sunday morning. And so if you are here today and you're like, man, I would really love to be a part of that, it's not too late to sign up. Come talk to me, um, come find Andrew, come talk to Nana. We'd love to get you connected because we'd love for as many of you guys that want to be there to be a part of that. And so it'll be next Friday through next Sunday morning. If you're not able to go next weekend, but you really wanna worship with us, feel free to drive up Sunday morning. Worship's at nine o'clock at Hillmont Christian Camp. Love for you to be a part of that. If you can't do that, you don't want to do that, uh, feel free to, to go visit one of our other campuses or another church here in Nashville. Lots of great um, churches around here. Um, I want to invite David and Kim Thornton to come up. They're going to read and pray for us this morning as we enter into a time of teaching. You guys doing well this morning? Enjoying the sunshine? Awesome. I've been praying for rain. Just I'm tired of the sunshine. I want some more of that rain. Um, let you guys read. Okay, so chapter two. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these all who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. 
because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your holy ones see decay. You have made known to me paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promise of Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for their forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you came, that you died, and that you were raised to life. God, we thank you for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit, both then and now. And Lord, I pray that we would have hearts um, that would respond to your word and to your testimony, and that we would live our lives for you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, guys. I wanted us to, to hear the a long passage. We typically don't read that much. I just think that there's a real importance to this text, to what we're going to be in today. And, and so I, I want to start out like this. You know, my senior year, right before college, one of my best friends, he, um, he had this dream that he wanted to, it was kind of this idea of his, that he wanted to take this two-week road trip that fly into Las Vegas and then drive down to San Diego and then just spend two weeks driving up the entire West Coast. And so he, he looked at me and he said, we're going to go to Vegas. We're going to San Diego. We're going to Los Angeles. We're going to San Francisco. We're ending in Seattle. Do you want in? And my first answer was, I don't have any money. And, and he said, I just want you in the car. If, if you're willing to get in the car, bring what you have and we'll make it work. And, and, and I've, so I remember we just had this kind of this amazing, this trip. And, and, and throughout that whole trip, I just kept thinking, man, I am, I'm here because this is his dream. This is, this is his dire, this desire. This is all from, from him that he is making all of this possible for me and my other friends to be a part of this amazing trip. And I just kept thinking about that, that story that he just said, I, I just want you in the car. I'll, I'll give you what you need. Are, are you willing to get in the car with me? Acts chapter two is maybe one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. And what I see so clearly in this chapter is God's desire for every person to know him. And don't miss that. 
And, and it's God's plan for the church to be the agent through which that happens. And so we're studying the book of Acts as a church family for the next several months. And from the very beginning of the movement of Christianity, because that is what the book of Acts is, it's tracing our roots. God designed the church through which he could work for the flourishing of those who don't know him. You see, God never desired for, for church people, for Christians to just live for themselves. And God never desired for Christians just to live for the sake of the church. No, God was looking for, for some people who were just crazy enough to trust and obey Jesus so that he could show every person through those people how much God loves them. And what we're gonna see is, is that God is just looking for some people who are willing to get in the car. Like, Lincoln, I know you don't have what it takes. Will you just get in the car? And Joanna, I know you, don't, know you don't feel like you have what it takes. Will you just get in the car? Because I want you there. I want to bless you. I want to work through you for, for, for the flourishing of those who don't yet know you. And so I've just reminded, you know, we could spend a year in this chapter alone. There's so much richness, richness to it. But I want to just kind of give us some highlights, some, some things for us to think about today that I think God might be trying to speak into our community in this day and time. So kind of three big ideas that we're going to be looking at. The, the first idea is this, if you're a note taker, that the Spirit of God was given for the advancement of the movement of Jesus. The Spirit of God was given for the advancement of the movement of Jesus. So you see this in the first 11 verses, that the Spirit is poured out, not just so Christians can go, man, that's really cool. And it's not so they could just sit around and, and talk about it. The, the reason the Spirit of God was given is so for, for people who didn't know God, so they could come to know God. So all these nations are gathered in Jerusalem. These people from all over the ancient world, and they all spoke different languages, and they came to Jerusalem because it was this Jewish holiday, the, 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 the Pentecost. Sorry, couldn't get it out. It, was, it just means 50 days. It's 50 days after Passover. And all these Jews are, are gathered in Jerusalem for this celebration. These Jews knew about Jesus. They knew who he was, but they really didn't know him. Think about how relevant that is for us in the South. How many people just, they know about Jesus. They don't really know Jesus. Maybe that's even your story this morning. And then this miraculous, this mysterious moment happens. That 120 or so believers were, were gathered and it says this sound fills the room and tongues of fire come and, they're, and, they're, and they separate and it, and it goes on every person gathered. And we're like, man, that is not my experience of church, right? Like that has never happened here at Marathon, something like that. All of a sudden the, the spirit of God comes into the believers and they start speaking different languages. And you think about that, how hard some of you, you studied in high school, you studied in college to learn a language and you're still not a master of it, right? Cody, how much, how long did you study Mandarin to learn it? And you're still not a, a master of it. How, how often? And yet in an instant, the believers show up and they're waiting on God and the spirit of God comes and they start speaking all these different languages. And I'm going, that's just who God is. It's mysterious and it's wonderful, but this is who God is. Read the Bible. I was telling my kids the other night about this story in Matthew chapter 14. They, they're asking, hey, tell us a story about Jesus. And so I'm telling them a story about the time where one of Jesus' apostles named Peter, he gets out and he walks on the water. And they're like, whoa. And I'm going, yeah, that's crazy. How, how does that happen? I don't know. 
How did this happen where the spirit fell and they start speaking language they didn't study, that they weren't familiar with? I don't know. Only God can do this. You can't do this. God alone can do this. God enables the church to speak the language of every person that's represented. And this mystery is amazing, but I don't want us to stay in the cloud of mystery because I think there's a piece of application that is incredibly important for us to see. It's not just what happened to the Christians. It's not just this phenomenon that, that they were speaking in languages they didn't know. It's, it's what they were doing with what had been given to them. And what were they doing? It says that they were declaring the wonders of God. But deeper than that, they were simply just using what God had given to them. I love that, that it mentions that it came to rest on each of them. I don't know about you, but, but I, I think so often I go, man, I didn't have this experience when I became a Christian. And so, so often we read this and we're like, man, is, is every Christian supposed to experience this? And you might be going, man, am I even a Christian? Do I even have the Holy Spirit? Like, this is not what I experienced. And I just want to disarm you. We're going to come back to this at the end. But man, if you, if you trust in Jesus, you're following Jesus, you're giving your life to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God. And there's no need to worry. We're going to come back and talk through this at the end. But I want to just help us think about this. Maybe God hasn't given you the ability to speak other languages through the Spirit. But if you're a follower of Jesus, he has given you the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, are you using what God has given you for the sake of those who don't know him? You know, I've read this story and I was thinking, man, it would be so cool to experience something like this. But, but I was asking myself, why? Like, why do I want to experience this? I want the show. I want to be convinced that it's true. And, and I go, man, do you realize that you have the Holy Spirit of God? And whenever the Spirit of God takes up residence in your heart, it's a gift from God. And the Spirit himself brings gifts into your life. You can read about this in 1 Corinthians 12 or Romans 12, that, that when the Spirit takes up residence in your life, man, he, he brings gifts with you, encouragement, healing, prophecy, miraculous powers, the ability to speak in tongues, giving, mercy, knowledge, wisdom, faith. Some of you are going, man, I don't know what God has given to me. I know that I have the spirit of God and I wanna just encourage you, just ask God. God will speak to you. He wants you to know. And if you don't know how to do that, man, find someone that is walking with God. They'll pray with you. They'll, they'll help listen with you or listen to God with you. But my question for us is, are, are you using what God has been given, what God has given to you? You know, when we, when we, can, when we can take away some of the, the, the flashiness of what happened in Acts chapter two, that's essentially what is happening. The people of God just said, God has given me this gift and I'm gonna use it for his glory for the sake of those who don't yet know him. See, the spirit of God was pulled out, was poured out for the advancement of the mission of Jesus. The second kind of movement that we see in this text is that Peter and the other apostles, they speak the language of the culture to point out what God is doing and to point them to Jesus. They speak the language of the culture to point out what God is doing and to point them to Jesus. And I know this is a big piece of, of scripture, verses 12 through 35, and I'm not gonna go back and read all of that. But this crazy spectacle happens. 
They had never experienced anything like this before, that, that people start speaking in different languages. And it says that, that everyone in Jerusalem heard the sound. And I don't know if the sound is talking about the sound that, of the violent wind or if it was the sound of them hearing people speak the different languages, but there was something about the sound, what God had done that drew people to the people of God. That, that drew people closer to, to God's heart. And so they show up and they're going, what is going on? I hear you speaking Spanish. And I hear you speaking Mandarin. And I hear you speaking every different language under the, the sun. How is that? You guys are all from, from one part of the country. You don't know all these languages. They don't have school like we do to be trained in that. This was a mysterious moment. And I love what Peter does. He just stands up and he simply just points out what God is doing. He points into Jesus. Peter quotes three different passages of scripture that are from the Old Testament in Acts chapter two. And I was asking, why does he do this? And there's probably a whole lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is because they're all Jewish. That they knew the Old Testament. This is what they loved. This is what they studied. This is what they grew up learning about. And so he speaks in a way that they can understand. He's using the knowledge that they are working from to, to point out what God is doing and to point them to Jesus. God is moving in mighty ways in our city right now. My guess is that God has been doing this all along, but for whatever reason, he's, he's opening our eyes. He's awakening us to see it. And I can't help but think, man, how many people in our city know about Jesus, but they really don't know Jesus? We sent out postcards, and I know I keep talking about this, about a month ago to every person in our city. And I don't pretend to equate that as the same thing that happened in Acts chapter two, like us writing cards and praying for people is not the same thing as the spirit of God being poured out and people speaking in different languages. But what I do know is that God is wanting to work through those to get the attention of people in our city. The same powerful God is, is working through something simple like writing a card and praying. And I had a phone call with a, a lady this week and she was, she was very upset about the cards. And so we're talking about it and, and I get down to th this question and she says, I, I don't, she said, I don't like that, that you imposed this on me. That you didn't give me a chance to even tell you if I wanted prayer. And then you, you send this card and, and, and it was an, you imposed it on me. And I said, that was not our motives. I said, our, our motives were not to impose, our motives were to invite. She tells me that she is culturally Jewish, she's not a practicing Jew. And I said, let me ask you this question. Do you believe in your God enough to share with others what you've found in your God? She said, no. She said, I would never impose that on someone else. And I said, man, I, we found something in Jesus. And we're not trying to impose it, but, but we found something. And, and we would be doing a disservice if we didn't invite you to know who we know. You see, when God is, is working in around us, he's just looking for, for us to, to be people that, that are willing to point out. And it's not just what God is doing out there. It's what God is doing in here. For Josh to be able to say to his coworkers, you know, this is what God's doing in my life. And for Lana to say, this is what God is doing in my life when, when her coworkers ask, what's so different about you, Emily? 
And Dan, what's so different about you? And when we see God working and moving and stirring in the hearts of our coworkers and our family and our neighbors, will we have the courage to simply point out what God is doing and to point them to Jesus? Third kind of movement in this text, what Peter does is Peter just speaks the truth in love. Verses 36 to 41. He says this, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus whom you have crucified both Lord and Messiah. And I can't help but wonder, man, were these people literally the ones who crucified Jesus? Just 50 days earlier, it was the same crowd that was in Jerusalem that were gathered. And they had this moment where, where Jesus calls two people, or where Pilate calls two people up on, on trial and it was his custom to release one of them. It was Jesus, our Jesus, the Messiah Jesus and this other man. And, and, and they released crucify the Christ, crucify Jesus, crucify, just mobs of people yelling, crucify him, crucify. They, they hated him. He was an imposition on their religion. They didn't like it. They didn't want anything to do with him. Crucify him. And so Peter looks at this same crowd of people that had the hate in their eyes that, that didn't understand who Jesus was. And he says, you killed Jesus. He was willing to say the hard words. He was willing to, to put the hard words in front of them. He wanted them to meditate on what they had done because the reality is he had done that hard work. Meditating on what he had done to Christ. And I go, what is that for us? You know, we, have, uh, we, we weren't there. We didn't literally crucify Jesus. Our words weren't standing in the crowd that day with, with hatred in our voices. But, 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 but what does this mean for us? Like, what is Peter, what is Christ trying to say to us? And we have... Maybe you haven't crucified Jesus, but we've treated Jesus like he doesn't exist in our culture, like Jesus doesn't matter. We ignore Jesus, we disobey Jesus, we run from Jesus. We've done this, I've done this, you've done this. We rather chase our dreams than God's dreams. We rather give our lives to pursuing our pleasures instead of his purposes. It's all at the expense of Jesus. He died for us and we so easily just overlook him. You know, in our world today, when, when dark and evil things happen, none of us go, oh, it's not a big deal. I don't know if you read about what happened in New Zealand this week. You know, when, when a man walks into two different mosques and kills 50 people, none of us go, oh, it's no big deal. No, our hearts ache. We, we ache for the, the, the families that, that lost their loved ones. We ache for with this anger and, and this pain and this frustration, that this careless act. The system that we live in demands that justice is done. Right, that the, that the man endure the consequences of his actions. And none of us are here going this morning, just let the guy out, it's no big deal. And while none of us have walked into a mosque and, and shot people, now each of us have hardened our hearts and turned away from God. Somehow we don't think that we're as bad as others. It's 
not that big of a deal what we've done. We might not say it, but that's kind of how we act. But think about this. An innocent man, Jesus, he died for you. And he died for me. That all of our sin, it was God's good plan. All of our sin was laid on Jesus. And he died so that the consequence, the punishment for our rebellion could be satisfied so that you and I could go free. And when we get that in our hearts, we're not okay with what we've done to Jesus. And we realize that we can't fix it, that we can't undo what we've done, and the reality is that we're not supposed to. Because what God desires is us. That God knows your sin, Christy, but what God desires is you. Real relationship. Real love. Real devotion, Brandon. Not this half-hearted, half-in, half-out, I'm yours Sunday through Wednesday, but Thursday through Saturday, it's all me. No, God desires us. He wants us to love him with all of our hearts. Why? Because he loves us. And so he sent Jesus and he did this not to put us in his debt. He didn't send Jesus so that he could hold it over our heads the rest of our lives. Like, man, you guys really messed it up. And and Jesus, man, I've done this. And so now the rest of your life, you have to serve me out out of this debt. No, Jesus didn't come to put us in his debt. He came to get us out of debt. He came to get us out of darkness. And for some reason that day when Peter was preaching the It bothered people what they had done to Christ. They weren't okay with how they treated Jesus, with what they had done. So he just asked this question, what what should we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what do you do? Maybe this is you. Maybe you come here this morning and you're going, man, I've, I've treated Jesus so casually. And I haven't thought about the fact that an innocent man took my place. And I haven't thought about what my sin cost God, what my sin cost him. What do I do? Peter says, repent, be baptized. You're never meant to stay in this place of condemnation. No, he, he speaks the hard words for, for the purpose of transformation. Repent, be baptized. This idea of baptism is is entering into covenant with Christ. The same way when you you get married, hey, I'm gonna be devoted to you. It's just this moment of union with Christ. It's this moment where you get to represent the one that you ran from, the one that you rejected, the one that you rebelled against. You know, I think about this commercial that I saw. Maybe you've seen it. it. It starts, I don't remember all the details, but it's essentially this guy going, I will never Right, And then he says, like, I will never get married. And the next scene's him getting married. And then, you know, I will never have a baby. Next scene's him with a baby. I will never live in the suburb. And it's like on and on. And, and it's just him, him going, I will never do this. And then it comes around, he eats his words. And it's so crazy that, that, that this is, is what God desires. That each of us are, are sinners. And, and God goes, I'm not looking for perfect people to use. I'm looking for imperfect people that I can save and then use. We get to represent the one that we ran from. Talking to that lady on the phone earlier this week, or maybe you have people in your life that, man, they just do not care for Jesus. You know, I was thinking about the, the type of person that would, would 
find our church and send us an email or phone call. That person is a person of passion. And I want that passion to be filtered for Jesus. And for us to not ever get in this business where we're going, man, it's us versus them. No, it's us for them. Man, Jesus, he tells us to bless those who curse us. He says to love those who hate us. Why? Because we were always meant to be the people through which God could flow for the flourishing of those who don't know Jesus. Represent the one that you stood against. He says, be baptized. He says, you'll receive the forgiveness of your sins. He says, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, for your children, for all who are far off. And, and what God is doing here, man, he's, he's literally changing us. That, that he, he helps us understand that we want him. So we get baptized and then he, he clears away all of our sin. He deals with all of our sins so that we can live free lives. And then he refills us. Not with pain and not with sin, but with freedom that the Holy Spirit gives to us and power. He gives us the heart of God. He helps us see things from God's perspective. You know, I called Courtney, my wife, earlier this week, and just to check in, we were FaceTiming and, and we were talking. I was looking at her, and then all of a sudden she had this moment where, you know, she hit the button and it flipped the camera around and I could see what she was seeing. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea that Jones was in the floor building. I had no idea what you were looking at. And there's something about when, when God, the Spirit of God, takes up residence in our life, we start to see the things that, that God sees. We start to care about the things that God cares about. You know, some of you this morning, you're, you're not fathers of Jesus. And should you choose to step into relationship with him, you'll experience the freedom that comes from having your sins forgiven by God. I mean, there is, it is a weight, a tangible weight that is taken from you when you realize that, that God doesn't see you for your sin. It's dealt with, it's done. There's a freedom that comes from that. There is a joy that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that helps you think, that helps you live, that helps you love, a Spirit that comes in power to do things beyond yourself, beyond your own capabilities. It's amazing. And some of you just have to make the choice. Do you want that? Or do you want to work the nine to five? Do you want to grow old? Do you want to retire? Or do you want more? Some of you are followers of Jesus, and yet you're not sure if you have the Holy Spirit because you didn't have an experience like this. Or maybe because you just don't know how the Spirit of God works. And you just, you go, man, I'm not even sure if the Spirit of God lives in me, and I've been there before. And I want to encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, but, but you're questioning that, lean into the promise. The chapter starts with, with Jesus keeping his promise, right? He told them, hey, I want you to wait in Jerusalem and the, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on you. And I don't want us to overlook that because God is so trustworthy that everything God says, God does. And if Jesus tells us, if, if we repent and are baptized, if, if, if we're willing to walk with Jesus, he says, I will give you the Holy Spirit. We have to lean into that. Even if you don't feel it, Some of you are followers of Jesus. The reason you're questioning if you have the Spirit is because you spent a lot of your life quenching the Spirit. You didn't want more of God. You're saved. You went down into the water, but you didn't want your life to look like Jesus. You did not want to obey. And it's not that you don't have the Spirit. You just haven't been following the Spirit's voice. 
And if that's you today, just repent. Tell God, I, I want the Spirit to speak. I want more. So what do we do? I love the word call that appears kind of in the middle of the text and then at the end. In verse 21, he quotes this Old Testament psalm or this Old, Old Testament prophecy. And he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just think about the way that, that a call works, right? You, you pick up your phone and I call Shay because I need Shay's help with something. Hey, I'm moving. Can you help me move? Or, hey, I, I need you to come over and, 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 and watch the kids. I need you to pick the, the kids up from school. A call is simply a recognition that someone has what you need and it's just being willing to ask. And some of you, this is what God's calling. You just need to ask, God, can I be yours? Can I follow you? Take away my sin. God, I want life with you. And what's so cool is that if, you, if, you're, if you're wanting that, what you need to know is that, that God is calling to you. This is what he says in verse 39, for all whom our Lord, our God will call. When you have a desire to live for God, it's because God's calling to you. If you have a desire to become his follower, it's because God is calling to you. If you have a desire to live your life listening to the Spirit, it's because God is calling to you. If you have a desire to live for people beyond yourself, for the flourishing of people who don't know Jesus, it's God that is calling. And you need to know that. That God is calling you. He's calling you to come to him. He's calling you into deeper places of participation. He's calling you into deeper places of faith. He's calling you into the fullness of life with him. So how will we respond today? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you, give your life to him. Get baptized, have your sins washed away, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Here in a minute, we're gonna stand, we're gonna take communion, we're gonna sing, there'll be some men and women at the back of the respond banner. We can do this today. Get right with God. If you come here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you've been saved, but you've not been listening, or maybe you've not been living for the sake of others, I just invite you to repent. And as we take communion, as always, gather with a couple of people and share that. Man, have the courage to say, you know what, I've, I've actually not been listening to the Spirit of God. And I haven't been caring about people who don't know him, and I haven't been using what I've been given for the sake of others. If you don't have people you feel comfortable talking, pray with, come respond, and we'll pray with you. And then for all of us, I want us to, to think about this. If you're a follower of Jesus, to think about this question. What has God given to you? And how can you use it for the sake of those who don't know him? You have the Holy Spirit. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. Man, how can you encourage your coworkers, your neighbors, your families, people you meet in passing? Not so that people think good things about you, but so they come to know Jesus. Some of you have the gift of wisdom. How can you use that? Not so that people think so great about you. Some of you have the gift of healing. Some of you have a gift of prophecy. Some of you have the gift of, of tongues and of giving. 
And what happens when we get courageous enough to, to not just internalize them and think about them? And, and what happens when we, when, when we have enough faith to, to not just bless the church, but we live into Acts 2? And we're willing to use what has been given to us for the sake of people who don't know Jesus? What happens when, when you start praying for those of you who have a prophetic gift? God, would you give me a word? for someone who doesn't know you. And God, what happens when, when you start praying for healing for people who don't know Jesus? What will that unlock in them? What happens when you start using your finances? Not for your own sake, not for your own benefit, but for the sake of people coming to know Jesus. And we, we read Acts 2 and we go, man, that is so cool. But what I'm convinced of is that, is that God doesn't want us to do this, to be like, oh, how cool was God 2,000 years ago? No, but so that we would step in right now. And so I invite you. We're going to pray. I invite you to respond however you need to respond. We're going to take communion, gather up chairs, come respond, Banner. God, thank you for today. Thank you for these men and women and children. And I pray that, that you would pour out your spirit on us and that you would give us faith to lean into you and to your heart. God, would you, would you speak to us? Would you come in your power? And, and I know that your spirit lives in us and I pray that you would help us to fully just take steps and that, that the best part of our weeks start here, but it doesn't end here. And that you would use us the same way you did 2,000 years ago to help people come to know you in mysterious and wonderful ways. Because you tell us that 3,000 people were added to their number that day and God, we're not content. We know that you're not content. We want people beside us worshiping you, knowing you, who don't know you, who are weighed down by sin and burdens. God, we want your spirit and the spirit's power to flow through us. And God, to help us to take steps. God, if anything was said today that's not from you, let it be forgotten. The things that are from you, let them stick in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.